This is just a little background of the history of Paul, the Apostle's life. Just give you a little background, of course, and we know that he received Christ and got saved in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, verses 1 through, say, around 10. He received Christ, uh, and at that time he was the church church's worst enemy <laughs> and until he met Christ and uh, received him as his Savior. And then he began uh, quite a life uh, as, with, with Christ as his teacher, his pastor teacher, giving him all these epistles. So, really... Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the same teacher for us. Same things that he gave the Apostle Paul, he, he gave them, uh, he, and he gives them to us. And those were the things, that was the truth, the very life of Christ was the thing that sustained him through every single thing that he went through and everything that he faced was the means and the motive of his calling and every single thing about his life. But we read in 2 Corinthians, uh, the 11th chapter, Paul is defending his apostleship. He has to defend himself. So really, when he wrote the whole book of 2 Corinthians, it was written in God the Holy Spirit. And again, we got teaching and amazing truth out of it that we can live by and, and hold to in our experience in life. But... Uh, that was what he wrote the second book of Corinthians for. He was, a, he was an apostle with all of this truth, defending the fact that he was a messenger of Christ. Wasn't his message, but that he was a messenger. Of course, and very special in that sense as an apostle of Christ. So, And he was constantly having to uh, defend it. But... In verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, it says, Are they ministers of Christ? They also, all those that seem to be accusing him. And then in parentheses, he says, I speak as a fool. <laughs> and many tones in the original languages, the Koine Greek of which this was recorded by the Holy Spirit, the tones were very sarcastic, extremely sarcastic. And he said it, and that's this instance. I speak as a fool. I am more. If they're servants of Christ, those that accuse me of all these things, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, times that he was beaten with whips and with rods, above measure. In prisons, plural, more frequent. In deaths, oft. In other words, things that he was at the point of death countless times in his life. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. 39 stripes. Five times he was beaten. Amazing. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. And many think that that was the time when he literally did go to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, floating on a piece of something. So far, how's he doing? <laughs> and so far, how are we doing? In journeys often, 
many journeys, often thousands of miles, and you know the mode of travel back then wasn't quite as comfortable as it is today. In perils of robbers, constantly, while he walked the Roman roads and spread the gospel, there would always be robbers there that seeking to take advantage of him and, and different people. In perils, all kinds of dangers and threats, by my own countrymen, those that were the Jews. Well, in perils by the heathen, the unsaved, in perils in the city. You know, in some of these cities today, you have to be careful. In perils in the wilderness. <laughs> in perils in the sea. Dangers, all kinds of dangers. In perils among false brethren. A lot of dangers, false brethren. In weariness. In painfulness. In watchings often, many nights in prayer without sleep in hunger and in thirst, literally in hunger and thirst physically and I'm sure in terms of fellowship too for him. Yeah, very interesting. In fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care, the concern, the deep love I have for all the churches. Who is weak? and I am not weak. <laughs> Who is offended, and I burn not. I'm, I'm affected by it, he's saying. If I must needs glory, if I have a desire to glory, <laughs> well, I'll glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knows that I lie not. I'm just a man like most. That's what he's saying. But I've experienced quite a bit. And if anyone feels pain or loneliness or hurt or misunderstanding and all these different things, and life threatened and, and so forth, well, so am I. I'm just, I'm just like you in that sense. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus, the king, kept the city of Damascus scenes and with a garrison, a whole garrison, desires to apprehend me. <laughs> and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Great apostle. Great preacher and teacher of the things of Christ like no man in the Bible. Of course, other than Christ himself, but no man like him. Yet that's what he went through. That was the cost and that was the price to preach Christ. That's because of that. That's why he could write in Colossians 1.24, I fill up in my body the afflictions of Christ that were left behind. In other words, when he left, Christ went home. And if he was going to represent him, then you're going to represent him with the life you're getting. It's going to come on you. So that's why he wrote these verses. And this is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 7. Well, and we can also read, let me just read 2 Corinthians 2 to give you a background and then we can just uh, get into what God has for us this morning. So, he said in 2 Corinthians 2.10, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it, in the person, or in other words, in the sight of Jesus Christ. You were taught 
like I was taught and given the word and then given it to you, we're all taught that, you know, we know how to forgive and when we should experience forgiveness and give those that failed comfort. And what he's referring to here is in the midst of all these things that are going on in his own life, he has to have care for the church, for the churches. And in one instance, in the first Corinthians, the fifth chapter, there was a son who had a dad and a stepmom. And the sins that he was committing, the sin that he was committing with her was very bad. He was having relations with her, <laughs> with his stepmom. And of course, and he was held in high regard but by the church, but this was going on and it was allowed by the Corinthians because they were so enamored and infatuated by themselves and the gifts that they had, they were allowing this whole thing to go on in the church. And then Paul had to address it, and he did. But then the guy got right. So it was wrong what that guy was doing, but then the guy got right. But then they wouldn't restore him. <laughs> so on the one hand, they allow all of that. And do I believe in church government and how things should operate? Of course I do. It's absolutely correct. So, but then when the guy genuinely got right, was confronted and absolutely repented and got right, then they wouldn't restore the guy. They wouldn't restore. That's why he wrote 2 Corinthians 2, 10, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, I forgave it in the very face of Christ, right in his view, which we should, in the same way that there should be discipline because of that sin the same way when the man got right in the view of Christ you restore him and you'll see that in Galatians 6 1 to 4 about how we should restore how there's a restorative comforting amazing love of God that governs us but then he said this lest Satan should get an advantage of us. And boy, what an advantage does Satan have when believers don't operate in forgiveness. And remember, always forgiveness is God confirming his love. So forgiveness is the confirmation. God always comforting and confirming his love for us. Yes, his love may have to discipline us. Yes, but it's for the whole purpose to get us to the place where that love that dis disciplines us and causes us and is the means of us making adjustments and repenting and getting right is the same love that desires to put us in a place where it can comfort us, restore us to a place to lovingly comfort us. So he says, furthermore, when I came to Tros to preach Christ's gospel, I love when I read things like this, he was preaching Christ's gospel. Nothing else. No one had any special rights about it in Christianity. He was preaching Christ's gospel. And a door was opened unto me of the Lord. And the door there, you'll see that in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and specifically in verse 9, through different places there where that spoke of an opportunity for him to preach and teach Christ. Not himself in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, not his interpretation of the scriptures, but to actually preach Christ himself. 
It's a wonderful thing when that happens. But this is what he said. I had no rest in my spirit. What? He's an apostle. He's got all this truth. I, uh, yeah, but he went through a couple things, too, that we read in 2 Corinthians. Didn't we read a few couple things that he went through? You know? Now, to a lot of those people, it was behind the scenes because he never mentioned it or never spoke about it. But he said, I had no rest in my spirit because he, what? He, he really needed to be comforted and built up himself because he was no different. Remember, he said, if you're weak, what, you, what about me? I'm, I'm weak. He said, but I found no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother. Really, kind of like an equal in maturity in the things of God that he could really edify and build him up. But taking my leave of them, I went from there into Macedonia. Now, thanks be unto God, which sometimes causes us to triumph. No, that's not what it says. Sooner or later, through all of our sometimes maybe doubt and fears and grumblings and complainings and anger and you name whatever it is that I'm sure none of us here has ever felt, But I can be thankful, even in that situation where I'm so desperate, I need so much to be built up. But I can be thankful unto God because he always causes us to triumph in Christ. Our place of triumph is in Christ and makes manifest the savor, the sweet odor of his knowledge by us in every place. That's the call yeah, for, for an apostle, but that's the call for a pastor, no matter what he's going through. And he may have his deep struggles himself, and he, he fails, and he's weak, and he struggles just like anybody else, maybe even more so, because of the place that God has placed him in, in terms of preaching and teaching the word. So, then we come to 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. And then here is Paul again. This is what he's saying. Here he is. Here's the guy defending himself again. Not only does he have to preach and teach the word of God and go through what he's gone through, but now he has to continually defend himself. Let me tell you, that can wear you out. Even in your thought life, it can cause you not to rest and bring in certain things. So 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, completing it, holiness in the reverence of God. That's how we do it. Sooner or later, we can probably get tired of ourselves. <laughs> you know, not only do we wear out others, but we can wear out ourselves and hopefully... The second one happens before the first. Hopefully we wear ourselves out first before we wear out others. Uh, but then we always have that that can cleanse us and complete us in who we are in Christ through holiness, through the word, through Christ, what he has for us. And then we get right back into the place where we're starting to reverence God. Somehow we got out of his presence, which is easy to do. 
Seriously, it's easy to get out of God's presence for all of us. It is. It's not so easy to get back into it. It can take long because God will have to remove certain things. Not that it's hard on his part because <laughs> he's always waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30, verse 18. He's always waiting to be gracious. He's the God of all comfort in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. He, that's who he is. He's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So then he, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 2, Receive us. He says, just receive us. You know, receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this, even this, not to condemn you. I'm not even trying to condemn you. Yeah, you're not receiving us. You're accusing us. They accuse the Apostle Paul of everything you can even imagine. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Revelations 12, 10. Who's behind all the accusations? It's Satan. So I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that you and you are in our hearts to die and live with you. He would do anything for them. All he wants to do is fellowship with them around Christ, not himself. That's all he wants to do. So he says, uh, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Now he's being a little, little bit sarcastic right here. Because they were accusing him of this. Who does he think he is? Walking around thinking he's the only one. Like, who's he think he is? You know, who, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> God's greatest gift, which, of course, other than Christ, he was. <laughs> because he had treasure in his earthen vessel. That the excellency, the power may be of God and not of him. And 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he was just a vessel. But a very unique one, nevertheless. But he said, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorifying of you. Which, of course, he's being a little bit sarcastic. But he said, I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come, and why? Now, he's going to explain why he was. Because there were moments and times in his life when he wasn't. But he's going to say this. He said, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Didn't it just, like, he couldn't rest. His, and it being in his weak, frail, physical body, that little vessel where all that treasure's in. <laughs> we get away from that treasure a little bit, and things can happen to us that cause us, and like the Apostle Paul, he said, no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Hey, what's the matter with that guy? God, shouldn't he know better? All that truth, all that word, everything that God's given him? Come on. <laughs> well, we were troubled on every side. Without, we're fightings. God, all of this stuff going on. Oh, my God. Whew. It's enough to drive you up a wall. <laughs> Ever hear that when you were growing up as a kid? Drive me up a wall. Yeah. That must be something... Because if there's no ladder, man, how do you get up there? That's unbelievable. You know, well, you drive me crazy. And I used to say this, I think, well, at least you don't have to drive that far. Anyway. <laughs> His flesh had no rest. He was troubled on every side. They were outside him, all around him. My God. We're fightings. Fightings. Hmm. 
And guess what? Within, fears. Mm. Oh, boy. Findings without, fears within. Oof. Thanks, God. That's my life. <laughs> really? Yeah. But nevertheless, God. <laughs> nevertheless, God. That comforts those that are cast down. Comforted us by the coming of Titus. Ah, he finally got here. I had to wait. <laughs> oh, I, I, I so wanted to, to just have someone to comfort me. You know, not necessarily to at times take the word and counsel me, but just to comfort me. Just to love me and comfort me. And, uh, and he did. God sent Titus. Titus was a, a Greek guy. And Paul led, you know, possibly led to the Lord, but certainly taught in volumes about Christ, that he could function on his own in Christ to the point where he could come and comfort an apostle who needed to be comforted. And not only, not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. Yeah. When he told us, your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. I, I didn't change my mind, though I did repent, though I did change my mind, probably in the way that he would have wanted to present it. <laughs> a little hard, but God came in and gave him his love and gave it to them through him in a way that was suitable to God for them. And that's what he, I believe he's saying here. For I perceive that the same epistle, that letter that I sent you, has made you sorry. Though it were but for a season. And that's what God, I'll tell you the kind of sorrow that God wants worked in our life. Now I rejoice, he says, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, you changed your mind. You, you did an about face in the midst of your, your pain or your anger or your circumstances and your situations and your circumstances and your situations and all those fightings that were, were without, you began to internalize them. They caused fear in you and you got out of the presence of God. And so, but that letter, that word of God that, I, that, that God gave me to give to you cause you to sorrow to change your mind for you were made sorry after a godly manner or in other words according to God you were made sorry according to God he said and in that manner and in that way you would not receive damage by us in nothing he didn't want to damage them he didn't want to hurt them. He didn't want to accuse them. He wanted to present the truth to them so that they could adjust right back, make an about face, and get right back into the presence of God. And that's why any leader, any man of God, he needs to obviously get things from God in terms of comfort so that he can present in his vessel Christ to them and not mixed with himself in any way. Because the reason he said this, he said this in verse 10, for godly sorrow works 
repentance. A godly sorrow works a change of mind to salvation. In other words, to deliverance. <laughs> See, God will give us the word and it will finally cause us to make an about face to be delivered from the anger, the fear, whatever's happening. That's what it does. And it's a salvation, a deliverance, not to be repented of. Not, literally, it means, for godly sorrow works repentance, not to be regretted. Write it down, because that's what it means in the Greek. Godly sorrow, according to God, through his word, the comfort of his love, whether it's discipline, maybe harsh at times, or the comforting of his love once we get back into his presence. It is never to be regretted. And I think we all know what that's like. Ooh, back in his presence? Oh, I don't regret this. I don't regret the sorrow that caused me through the word, through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that caused me to make an about face and stop it. <laughs> stop this and turn and get right back into his presence. It's never to be regretted. The right kind of preaching, the right kind of teaching will never, ever, ever cause us to ever regret it. Not for a second. Not for one second. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 5, we preach Christ. We do not preach ourselves. We preach Christ and slaves to him for your sake. And sometimes that means you might have to go through a couple of things like Paul did. But all God did was make the vessel ready. He was emptying and keeping the vessel empty so that Christ could be poured in and only Christ would be poured out. And that way, their dependence would never be upon him. Their dependence would always be upon Christ and when they would mix faith, dependence, with that word that came through him in Hebrews 4, 2, it would bring incredible profit. That's what it would do. So Paul said, I, I, uh, this is something that I had in me. He said, I didn't have rest. I had no relief. I was in a position, circumstances and situations, where I had no relief. None. There was pressure on him, unbelievable pressure. And that's what that word means. Phlebo in the Greek, pressure on someone to afflict. To afflict. And then there were fightings, he said. There were fightings without. Exothen maki. There were fightings without. There was a battle. There was a fight from adversaries against him intensely. And like it can be against us. And with all of that that was going without, then there was all the fears in. How's the church? What are they doing? They're getting all this bad. They, they, these Judaizers are coming and teaching them all this bad stuff. That's what the Judaizers, the whole book of Galatians, Paul would go in and preach and teach Christ. Then these Judaizers would come right back in and try and Judaize and bring them right back under the law. Do's, don'ts, and get them right back. Instead of em the emphasis being Christ, get them on themselves. All that teaching. You, If you do this, then God will do this. Oh, throw it out. 
Don't have anything to do with it. So because he was that vessel, there were all those fears, phobos, fears. There were fears, unbelievable fears that he was experiencing. Fears. Fightings without and fears within. Fears within. Unbelievable. In other words, the Greek literally means there were mental things that were perturbing him in his mind. All these thoughts that were coming against him personally and resisting as adversaries to him. Then all those that were coming against him that he loved and ministered to and preached and taught the word to. All those things were in. They became these mental things that were perturbing him, causing him not to rest. And all those things were going on in his life. But you know what he said? He said, nevertheless, God that comforts those that are what? Cast down. It means the lowly. It means that he was being forced in a position he was being so humbled by all of these things that were going on to the point where he was humbled to the ground. And that's what God has to do with us at times, even to be able to comfort us. He has to humble us and get us low and get us down to comfort us, even in areas we're not even aware of till we get in his presence. <laughs> so many areas. But to the lowly, Taipinos, the humbled, the sense of being downcast, the sense of being at times depressed, depressed because of the fightings without and the fears within. But what comes in? God comforts. And God loves to. The activity of his comfort, love us. He has that for us at all times. It's there for us every single time, but he has to remove those things in us that keep that comforting love from coming in and overwhelming us with the comfort instead of the fightings without and the fears within. He's the God of all comfort. Paul said, the God of mercies of all mercies in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. And that word comfort is from the Greek word palakalon. And it literally means this, that God is the compassionate Father. He's characterized by unbelievable mercies. And he feels with us. He pities with us. He's right there with us in, in the sense of our emotions in the sense of all of every single thing that we go through. He is the God of all comfort, not just some. He has comfort for us in every single area. He has comfort for us. And so he wants to characterize who he is to us as a father by his comforting love. He loves us. He wants to call us aside. Para. I, I, in the midst of whatever you're going through, I want to call you aside so that you're side by side with me. I'll go through this with you. You have a need to go through it. Oh, no, I want to nah, I want to go on vacation. <laughs> I want to take a trip. I want to get the heck out of here. Okay? And I hope you're having fun, God. Uh, but I'm sure not. And I want to get out of here. And he says, no. 
I don't want you to leave there. You, you're needed to be where you are. And that's why that door is, is open. First Corinthians 16, 9, a great and effectual door was open unto him. And there were many adversaries. The adversaries, though, were not to be the means of him leaving. They were to be the absolute reason he was to stay because of the effect that he was having. Christ threw him in his vessel on those. The effect that he was having. Through every single thing that he went through. And so God had this compassionate love for him. The lowly. He comforts the lowly. Those whose mind, even though they go through all this, is not going to be on themselves. It's difficult at times when we're thinking about all those things that, have to, that affect us. <laughs> only if this only changed, <laughs> then I would be so happy. Well, God says, listen, I am the means of your happiness, your life, your comfort, everything. And I will go side by side with you through all of this. The lowly, low on the ground, low in condition. But the reality is this. Humility. God is working in humility in us. And he gives who? He gives greater, greater grace to the humble in James 4, 6. He will lift us up in James 4, 10 and add incredible value to our life. Because humility as a sovereign grace is the creation of Christianity. Just think if Christ hadn't humbled himself would there be such a thing as Christianity? There's a reason why Christianity, the first word in there is Christ. <laughs> it's all about him. And he said it was, and we were comforted by the coming of Titus. Comfort. It's almost, it's this, almost the same word, really. Perusia. Remember when Jesus said, I'm going to go away in John 14? But he said in 14, 16, he said, let not your heart, in verse 1 of John 14, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You, know, you believe in God, do you? Aha. Do you believe in God? Do I believe in God? Well, believe in me. Believe in me. Because I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when I go, I'll come and receive you. So that right where I am, soon, very soon, you'll be with me forever. But in the meantime, I'm going to send you another comforter in John 14, 16. He is the spirit of truth. In other words, he will comfort you with every single thing that I've gone through, and I am your life. And I went through it all, so I would know in my intercessory prayers, your high priest, how to comfort you. But then that Holy Spirit will show you that. He will comfort you. He will come side by side. And then when you as a believer, you have your vessel filled with this. You, in that sense, Titus, by coming to the Apostle Paul, you're like a godsend. Oh, boy, did he need it. He needed to be built up. He couldn't do it on his own as an apostle. With all this truth that came through him, he couldn't do it on his own. He needed to be comforted. And, and God sent Titus full 
of the comfort of the Holy Spirit to take the things of Christ and just lovingly show it to Paul in his time of need. Boy, it was nothing that he would ever regret. So in closing, listen, we can be cast down and we will be at times cast down. We will be humbled just by life. Life will humble you. Our own failures will humble us. But you know what? His love will do that too. Oh yeah, his love will humble us. And we can be lowly and cast down. But when we're cast down, don't distrust him. When we're cast down, don't distrust him. He will comfort us. He will be our comfort. He will come right by side of us. And then eventually he will send others. Because he did to the Apostle Paul. So is it worth being cast down, being lowly, for the kind of comfort where God himself will come, literally, God himself will come right in, side by side of you. Is that worth being made lowly? For God Almighty to come in, right by side of you, and comfort. Is it worth it being comforted by God himself? Well, and again, this is not a faith or a dependence that rises above circumstances. It's not what it's talking about. Although that's what we want most of the time. Get me out of here. Or at least make me feel better. So I can adjust and feel better. So now I can adjust to my circumstances. Because all we're saying then is then really God help me. Because my circumstances and situations are my guide. Sooner or later, that's going to let us down. So this is not a dependence. It's not a faith that rises above our circumstances. But it's grace. It's the God of all grace. 1 Peter 5.10. It's Christ who was full of grace and truth in John 1.14. It is what? It is a grace that meets us in our circumstances. <coughs> so he can come right alongside of us and fill us with his love and comfort. And then we become a vessel so full that we can pour out to others in that situation, in that circumstance we so desperately want to get out of when we're out of his presence. Well, and think of what it is. God wants us to think of what it is to have God occupying himself with us in our sorrows he does. He wants us to think about that. Because he is. He's occupied with us about our sorrows. And he always wants to remember who he is in his presence with us. And when God is with us and because he's for us what or who in Romans 8, 31 to 39 can be against us? What can be against us? This is something that's not to be regretted of. That kind of sorrow that will instantly come in and, and cause us repentance, metanoia, about face. I'm over here. And then, of course, we want to counsel everyone with our great counsel outside of his presence. I'm miserable. Can you see it? Are you receiving it? 
And then he comes in, and what does he do? He makes turns us around because he has to lower us. You're thinking way too much of yourself. Get low, get low. No, 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 get low, go low, low, low. Okay, God, I'm low. Okay, here I come. I'm right by side of you now. Do you regret it? Do you regret it? So, Lord, thank you in Jesus' name for your truth, for your word. So much more to be said about these. Maybe if it's your will, we can share them tonight. But we just thank you and praise you that you're the God of all comfort. And when we desire to be comforted by people, and sometimes we have to be, listen, sometimes we have to wait for those people because you might have to do a work in me before that people come. <laughs> before that other one comes and you may have to do a work in them but in the meantime you want us to know that you're more than enough you're more than enough and you can teach us multitudes of truth about who you are and you usually do when we're alone so that we can be a comfort we want to we really do when we're in your presence Lord we want you and even at times when we're weak and frail, we really do truthfully because you put that desire in our heart and you'll be faithful to accomplish it. We want you to be glorified because we know that when you are, we are overwhelmingly blessed. And in Psalm 23, verse 5, our cup, our little vessel, overflows in Jesus' name. Amen.